The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. We welcome you this morning. We're going to be looking at uh, continuing to press on and things about prayer and things like that. I want to remind you with this statement. God loves you and he wants relationship with you. Not any sort of a relationship. He wants a relationship that is real and meaningful. He wants a good friendship, a good relationship with you. That's what God wants with you. He is pursuing you. And it helps us to know this because we know that God is for us and that he is pursuing us. And we want to respond in that pursuit that as God reaches out to us, that we are also reaching out to him and establishing relationship with him. But you know, there's something that we need to remember in all of this and to be careful about because we're thinking about relationship, we're thinking about praying. But you know, sometimes we pray and you know what? We feel like, hey, my prayers are not being answered. Hang on, I asked God for this and nothing seems to have happened. And that sense of us praying and nothing seems to be happening, that is as far as we're concerned, starts to cause our hearts to get a little bit hardened. And it can actually lead us to a place where we feel, well, God doesn't care. You see, I tried that and he doesn't care about me. Now, that's not true. The truth is that God loves you, he is for you, and he wants a relationship, a real relationship with you. Not just the person sitting next to you. I'm talking about you. God wants a relationship with you, a real relationship with you. But as we pray and sometimes we think like, well, God hasn't answered me. He doesn't care. Our minds can start to take us away from the truth. We can interpret the fact that God doesn't seem to have done what we wanted him to do as a case of him not loving us. Now, what about you who've raised children or have children in your homes? Do you always answer what your children are asking for? I don't want this food. I want chocolate. Is that what you insert? Wow, they want chocolate. I better give them chocolate now. No, no, no. You eat though. You eat that first. And then maybe if you've been good, then I might present you with some chocolate. There's a sense in which a mother or a father or a carer, they know that the child needs good nourishment, not just the sweet things that satisfy us for a few moments. It's the same as the child is saying, like, I'm not going to bed, I want to stay up late. There are times when we can stay up late. But it's not just because they say so that the parent instantly, oh, they want to stay up late. Well, they must stay up late. No, 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 no. You need to go to school tomorrow. You need to be refreshed, ready for yet another Zoom call or something. So you need to be ready for that. And the parent knows, looking at the whole of the life situation, of what is right. And we need to remember that God is our heavenly parent. He's our heavenly father. And he is caring for us. And he knows everything that we're going through. You know, in Hebrews 4, verse 13, it says this. It says, nothing, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, I know that's a sense of like God sees all things. He sees everything, even our sins, and he does see all of those things. But the point I want to make with that is God does see everything. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening in your life. He's not forgotten about you. He is still for you. 
Let me give you an example because there's many women in the Bible and their testimony is, or we read of their testimony, is the fact that they were praying but it seems like God was doing nothing. There's Hannah who's a great example and the story of Hannah appears in 1 Samuel and the first chapter. You can read of her there. This woman Hannah, she's married to Elkanah and her prayer is, Lord, give me a child. I can't seem to have a child. I'm barren. Give me a child, Lord. Give me a child. I want to have a baby. That's the cry of her heart. That's the prayer that keeps coming up before God. But it seems to be that that prayer is going unheard. And we can understand the challenge of that. You know, you pray, and then there seems to be a period of time, and then more time, and nothing much seems to happen. And you pray, and more time. And you get to the point where you think, well, God, what's going on? And for dear Hannah, it wasn't just time, it was year after year. Because she would go to the temple every year and there would be like a constant reminder, another year's gone by, another year's gone by, I still don't have children, another year's gone by. And her pain was hard in her heart. And she was thinking, I guess, God, are you listening to my prayers? Now what made it even worse, if you like, for Hannah, was the fact that her husband Elkanah actually had another wife, her name was Penina. And the thing is, this other wife had children. And what's more, this other wife, because she had children, liked to provoke Hannah over the fact that, hey, I've got children, you haven't, what's the matter with you? So there was a constant, not only a feeling of, God, why haven't you answered my prayers, but there's a provocation going on in her life. But do you think that God had never heard the prayers of Hannah? I believe that he had heard her prayers over the years. But the situation was that God wanted to do something special in Hannah's life. Something particular in Hannah's life. And he wanted her to get to a point where she prayed a certain prayer so that God could answer that prayer so that God himself could have someone who would rise up to be a judge of Israel. That in the boy Samuel. And you know, Hannah, one of these times of going to the temple, she was so desperate. She went into the temple to pray yet again. And this is the prayer that she prayed. 1 Samuel 1 verse 11. It says, Lord Almighty. And you can almost imagine her crying this out. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. And you know, when he got to that prayer where Hannah was to say, look, please, give me a child. If you give me a child, I will give him back to you. God answered at that point. And we know in the story, if you read it in 1 Samuel, that she had a boy. He was called Samuel. And as I say, when he was old enough, she took him to be raised in the tabernacle with Eli the priest to serve the things of God. But you know what? Hannah's not the only woman that was experiencing difficulties like that. There's Sarah, Abraham's wife. There's Rebecca, Isaac's wife. There's Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. They had all cried out to God, Lord, give us children. But it seems that their prayers were not answered for quite some period of time. But God did answer them and his timing according to his purposes. And I don't know what's going on with you and your circumstances. I don't know what you've even been crying out to God for even in this past week. Don't lose confidence in God. He is your heavenly Father. He knows what you need. He loves you. 
And he is wanting real, real relationship with you. So pour out your heart before him. Well, what we all need is real relationship with Jesus. Where we trust in him. Where we know that he is for us. Where we know that he is watching over us. Where we know that he loves us and he cares for us. That's what we all need. 29 years ago, the 11th of February, 1992, I met Her Majesty the Queen. Now, at that time, I was working up in London, and I was an options market maker. I worked on the London International Financial Futures Exchange. And the exchange had moved premises from the Royal Exchange, which is just outside the Bank of England. They'd moved to a new building, specially built, purpose-built for the exchange, and it was called the Cannon Bridge Building. And it was just above Cannon Street Station. And to mark the, uh, the opening of this new building, the inauguration of the new building, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh came. And I was one of 60 people who was allowed to be introduced to the Queen. It was a real honor. I still have the invitation at home and all the papers and instructions about the protocols you have to go through to meet the Queen. I have met the Queen. But if you were to say, what is your relationship like with the Queen, then I would have to answer you very differently. I wouldn't be so affirmative to say, yes, I've met the Queen. If you're asking about the relationship, I would say, like, well, actually, I don't have a relationship with the Queen. In fact, Her Majesty and I don't really communicate at all. She only communicates to me through her Christmas message, um, which I think a number of other people are communicating in the same way. And in a sense she feels very distant from me, even though I understand who she is. She is Queen Elizabeth II. She is the Queen of England. She is the leader or the head of the Commonwealth. She is the defender of the faith. I know certain things about her, but even though I know things about her, I don't have relationship with her. Now, why do I say that? Because I wanted to show you, look, We're talking about drawing closer to God. We're talking about our relationship with God. We're talking about having a real relationship with God. And I want to point out, there has to be a reality about that relationship, about drawing close to God. Otherwise, it's just like me saying, listen, I've met the queen. I've met this this important figure. But just because I've met her doesn't mean to say that I have relationship with her. And it's not just about, oh, I met with Jesus, I met with God, I had an experience. You need to have a real living relationship with God because that is what he wants with you. And I'm sure that is what you want with him. And you know what? When it comes to getting closer with God, we have two motives. Firstly, we can have the motives of just to get what we want. Or secondly, we can have a motive to find out who he is and to know him. And I'm just going to look briefly at those two motives from two different passages in Luke to try to get an understanding of the difference between the two. First of all, seeking to get what we want. And the story we're going to look at is the story of the ten lepers. Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Now these lepers had obviously heard about Jesus and the ministry he was doing and each of them had been thinking something along the lines of, I think I can get healed. This man is healing. If if I get near to him, then I could get healed and think what life would be like for me if I could get rid of this leprosy. I would be cleansed. I could be part of community again. And that's, I guess, what they were thinking. And they came to Jesus and they asked for healing and Jesus actually gave them healing because when they went off to the priest as he instructed them to, on the way there, they are healed. But what we read about is 90% of them, that's it. They didn't come back to Jesus. They didn't think about saying thank you. They didn't really want relationship. They just wanted what they could get from Jesus. So as soon as they got, they got their healing. As soon as they had that, thank you very much, I'm off doing my own thing. Now that's, we don't know the full story of their lives, whether they ever came back. I know that. But that's what we see and that's what's recorded in this story. The fact that they came to get what they wanted. They were seeking to get something from Jesus. They got what they wanted, but they didn't progress into real relationship. Seeking to get what we want is sometimes how we can come. And that doesn't necessarily produce real relationship. Second story from Luke is seeking to find out who he is. And I want to look at the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, as recorded in Luke 19, the first nine verses. Let's just read the story again. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, despised by the Jews. Not just for the fact that he collected taxes... And let's face facts, nobody particularly likes paying taxes, so they try to get away with it. But they despised him because as a Jew, he was showing no respect for his faith, even by doing the job he was doing. He was showing the fact that he was aligning himself to the Romans and those who were occupying their land. There was just so many ways in which what this man's choice of life was wrong as far as they were concerned. And though I don't know everything about the Roman taxation system, I do know that they appointed people to collect the taxes and that those people had a degree of flexibility. So they would collect the taxes for the Romans, but sometimes they would be collecting far more than was necessary 
And the little bit in between, between what they needed to pass on to the Romans, they kept for themselves. And so therefore, they were despised, they were wealthy, they were really disrespected by the community. Now Zacchaeus, he wasn't just a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector in that region. And so you'd expect as the chief officer, he would have other people working for him. He would be overseeing, and so therefore he could collect money from them, as well as he would be overseeing the whole of the tax system. He was wealthy. It says that he was wealthy. So just the fact that he was wealthy meant that people would have resented him because of his wealth. Well, it's all right for you. You've got plenty. Look at me. I've got nothing. And then knowing that the way he'd got that plenty, yes, Zacchaeus was despised. But this despised, rejected man from the community had a heart to meet with Jesus. Now, I wonder what actually it was in his heart, because you would say, or a lot of people say, well, if you've got everything, if you've got all this wealth, surely you've got everything you need. But we know from those who do have lots of money, we still see an emptiness in their lives. And I think there was an emptiness in Zacchaeus' life. He may have had all of this glamour, he may have had all of this wealth, but he didn't have relationship with God. He didn't have what other people seemed to have who were surrounding themselves around Jesus. And so he wanted to meet Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to find something that was obviously missing in his life. One thing we do know about Zacchaeus was that he was a short man. So he wouldn't have the ability to look over people's heads and to be able to see Jesus. In fact, he went out to try, but obviously the crowd was so gathering around Jesus that he couldn't get to see. He couldn't get to see over. So suddenly he thinks, hey, Jesus is going this way. I'll run down the road. I'm going to climb that tree. So he literally, he climbs a sycamore tree. He's up in the branches and now he's looking down. He's waiting to see Jesus come by. He wants to see and he wants to meet with Jesus, and he does so by getting this bird's eye view, as it were. And sure enough, Jesus is coming that way, and he sees Jesus approaching, and he sees that Jesus is going under the tree. Praise God. Everything worked out for Zacchaeus that day. What he wasn't expecting is that as Jesus comes under the tree, Jesus looks up and he just says, Zacchaeus, hey, you need to come down because I'm going to come to your house today. Now, I don't know whether Jesus would have known Zacchaeus because, well, everybody in the town knows Zacchaeus because he's the chief tax man, whether there was an infamy in his name, or I personally think it's because Jesus in his prayer time had had revealed to him today, you're going to meet this man and you need to interact with him because he is looking for relationship with you. But whatever it was there, his personal name was announced, Zacchaeus, come down. Because I'm coming to your house. Now the crowd's reaction or those religious people, oh, what is he going to that? What's Jesus going to his house for? He's a sinner. He's and you can almost imagine them spitting his name out. What's he going there? Doesn't Jesus understand what sort of a person this is? But you see, Jesus wanted to connect with him. He wasn't Zacchaeus wasn't just seeking Jesus to get what he wanted. He wanted to meet Jesus and to find whatever Jesus himself had. And we know that Jesus went back to Zacchaeus' home. And Zacchaeus was transformed 
by this encounter with Jesus. Luke 19 verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. So after they've eaten and they've had time of talking together, Zacchaeus makes this incredible statement. I'm going to give away half of what I have. Now, hang on, let's think about it for a moment. You don't give away your wealth unless you have found something else of greater value. There's a replacement that goes on. Hey, this isn't worth anything because I've found this. When that happens, hey, I don't need this anymore. And so we may see the statement reflects what has happened in Zacchaeus' heart. And not only that, he goes on to show in terms of the law, listen, if I've cheated anybody, I will give them four times the recompense. I will make it up to them abundantly because that's what the law required. If you'd stolen a sheep, you needed to give back four times four sheep in exchange. And so he was being, uh, fulfilling the Jewish law as far as that's concerned. And Luke 19 verses 9 and 10 say, Jesus responded by saying salvation has come to this house. Not just, oh, it's nice to see he's made a bit of a response. No, no, no. He says, salvation has come to this house. And this man, despised by the Jews, has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. You are right in. You have become part of the fold, if you like. For then Jesus says, the son of man had come to seek and to save. Zacchaeus was not the same from this encounter with Jesus. The people around him would have known that he has changed. He would have, he's lost something. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his previous life. He's lost that because he's found something of greater value. He's found relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you, have you, have you met with Jesus? Are you seeking for him? Are you seeking him just to have your perceived needs being met? Or do you have relationship with him? I've met the Queen. It's a great privilege, and I'm very glad to say that I've been able to do to meet Her Majesty. But the truth is, I don't have any relationship with her. It's not just about meeting, it's about knowing. And God says to all of us, Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. As far as God is concerned, he's looking for a wholehearted response from us. But the truth is the promise that he makes with every one of us is that if we seek him with all of our hearts, if we give him our hearts, if we come to him looking for him, not just for what we can get, but looking for him to have relationship, real relationship with him. If we come with a wholehearted approach, God has said, God has promised to us, I will be found by you. There is the promise of real relationship when we seek God with all of our hearts. And we want to make sure that we're not just having meetings, but we're having encounters with him. There's a promise that has been given to us and we want to take hold of that promise and give ourselves wholeheartedly to God. I want to encourage you with that this week. I want to remind you God loves you and God wants relationship with you. A meaningful, real relationship that has value not just to him but value to you as well. Will you seek God? Will you seek him with all of your heart? Will you keep calling out for him? The Bible says, seek 
and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. I want to encourage you. Let's keep on. Let's not, just because we've talked about these things doesn't mean to say, oh, that's all done. These things become a reality when we know that we are encountering him and we're meeting with him. May you have a blessed and encouraging week this week as you seek to press on into your relationship with him. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com. <laughs>